We begin the current time, Mesachtas Babakam Adav Kofiyot Gimel. Begin seven lines down by the top of the Yomit, where the Gemara continues in the discussion with the previous stuff. That is, the Gemara is discussing different procedures that can be taken against one of the two parties in the court case when he doesn't present himself for the court case. So, as the Gemara explained, that we, if there, we could take testimony, can we verify documentation, and moreover, can we write an excommunication or actually even to access his assets to collect from if he doesn't show up in court? So the Gemara continues on these halachas. Amar Rava, he says, Regarding an individual that had a letter, a document of excommunication written against him, al if it was because he didn't come to court, so then explains Rava, until he actually comes to court, we don't tear up that document of excommunication, even though he says, I'm coming, I'm coming. When you come, then we'll tear that up. Let's say it's Adelaitzayis Ladina. Let's say the reason why he was written up to be excommunicated was because he wasn't heeding to the court's order, meaning they told him, go ahead and pay this guy, and he didn't fulfill that. Then again, Adelaitzayis, until he listens and he pays up that guy, then we do not tear up that letter of excommunication, even though he says, I'm going to pay. Now, actually, the Gemara says in this halach of Rava that Valahi. Actually, it's not true. Because Kivan Damitzayasna, Actually, when he says, I'm going to pay up, then Karina lay, then already we tear it up immediately. And the reason being is because maybe he does have money and he's going to take the effort right now because he, he doesn't have accessibility money and he's going to get it. And therefore, just by saying he's going to is enough of a saying that he's actually ceding to the court's request and we tear it up right away. However, in the previous Allah of Rava, when he says he's coming to court, then you're right, as long as it doesn't come to court, even though he says I'm coming, it's still showing a disregard for the court because there's nothing holding you back from coming. Getting money to pay up, that we could say that, okay, he's trying to get money and allocate funds, therefore by saying he's going to, already then we would tear it up. But regarding the first Allah, that the would agree that if he's not coming, then he's not coming. And therefore, even though he says he's going to come, we don't tear it up until he comes. Amr Rav continuing on these halachas, says, Kavim Zman, Shani, we, we set aside a time for the court case on a Monday. Now, if he doesn't come, then we set aside Vechamishi, that he should come on a Thursday, because again, the courts are open on Mondays and Thursdays. Now, if he doesn't come on the Thursday, then again, we set aside the next Vesheni, the next Monday, which is called Bahab, Monday, Thursday, Monday, which is Zimna, Vizimna, Basa Zimna. It's a time and a time after a time for him to be able to come. Maybe the dates didn't work for him. Now, but if we already gave Monday and the Thursday and the Monday and they didn't come, then the day after, meaning on Tuesday, then we write this psicha, this document of excommunication, meaning to say, but the whole last Monday we wait, then maybe he's going to come. Now, the Gemara brings a story regarding to this halacha that Ravasi, Iklaber of Kahana, Ravasi had gone to the house of Rav Kahana. He saw that, that Rav Kahana had summoned had sent a subpoena for a woman to come to court in the evening. In the morning already when she didn't come, he already wrote a, a, a letter of excommunication. So Amalais, Rabbi said to him, Doesn't the master hold of what Rav Chizda said, the halacha we just quoted before, that that we first get the, give the person opportunity to come on a, on a Monday. Then, if they don't come on Thursday, then the Monday, and then in the following day we write this psicha. How are you doing the next morning? So Malais, Rav Kana said to him, he says, no, that Allah Rav Chiz is only regarding a man. The honest, the less of a master, where the guy, he has other requirements, other uh, previous engagements, and he's not in the city. 
So therefore, we give him opportunity to say, okay, if you couldn't come Monday, then you come Thursday, can't come Thursday, come Monday. Avalitza, but a woman, came in the east of Bimasa since she's in the city, she has no business requirements, and she's not coming, then Meredesi, then she's rebellious woman, then already the next morning, it's enough for that to, on grounds, as he did, to already write this shamta against this woman. He says, We don't give what's called a hezmana, a, a, a subpoena to come to court. Not in the month of Nisan, not in the days of Tishrei. The reason being is because those are very busy times, which is when they're reaping the grain and they're gathering in from the fields. Not on Erev Yamtiv, not on Friday on Erev Shabbos, because again, these are all busy times. But in the, in the Nisan time, for after Nisan, meaning if they send them that he should come in a day in Iyar, or if they send the letter that in the month of Tishrei that he should come in the following month after that, then Kavina, then you could set that time. You can give him that notification even in that busy time, but for a later time. But but on Erev Shabbos, for after Erev Shabbos, then look, Kavina, then even that you can't even set aside. My time, what's the reason? Because people are very busy on Erev Shabbos. Not only can you not have them come to court on Friday, but even to give them notification you can because they're so busy they're going to forget what you had sent them on that Friday. Moreover, he says, We don't give a hazmana. Not for those who come to hear the drasha every single Shabbos. We don't tell them, oh, I see you, you're here, I wanted to let you know, you're always in hiding, you finally came to the drasha, the lecture on Shabbos, I want you to come on Monday to the court case, because if you do that, they're not going to come anymore to the drasha on Shabbos. So don't use that as a way to catch them and take them to court. And neither can you have those who come on 30 days before the Yom Tiv, to hear the halachas of the Yom Tiv, to say, oh, I see you're here, come, I wanted to tell you something, I want you to come to court. No, because then you're going to be stopping them from hearing and coming to the lectures for the halacha on, for the, before the Yom Tiv. Moreover, the Gemara tells the Asu when plaintiffs would come, like Hamedra of Nachman, on the, the Yom Hakala, which is on Shabbos, to, that, to say, oh, you see this guy, he finally comes around, I wanted you to, to subpoena him to come to court. Amlahu, he would tell to the plaintiffs, you think it's for you that I gathered all the people over here to hear my lecture? It's for them to learn Tyra. I don't want you to be discouraging people from coming to learn Tyra by saying and catching them and saying, oh, we finally found you. Here, here's the subpoena. We want you to come to court. Now, but the Gemara does conclude, but now that there are people that are crafty and they know how to be able to go to the lectures of, no, you can't tell me, it's like the safe zone. So then we're concerned, then actually you could even subpoena them, even when they come to the lectures in the shul. Now, the Mishnah said that although the halacha is hagaizel or machal, as bond if someone steals and he feeds that food to his children, or even if he leaves it in front of them and then he dies, so the Mishnah said that the children are paturin. But the Mishnah concluded, if it's something that has a chrayis, which is generally the term that's connoted for karka, which is always there, you, you can't hide it like metatlan, then chayiv l'shalom, then the inheritors have to pay that back. Now, mastin le rebbe le which recorded this on the previous dav, that rebbe taught his son Reb Shimon, in explanation of this halacha the Mishnah, that loida v'shish b'achrayis mamish, this said it said that if the father steals something and then the children have it, that they don't have to return it, even though it's, it's extant, even though it's lufnehem, but if it's like something like Karka, then they do have to. So explains Rebbe Tessan that doesn't mean only things literally like Karka. 
stuff that are like karka, meaning like a cow that he's plowing with, or chamur or donkey that he's following afterwards. Those things are like karka, which they're there are things that people see. They're out in the open. Those are what the Mishnah was saying. So then the inheritors would have to return that to the victim that it was stolen from by their father. And they covered Avin because of the dignity of their father. So it's like Karka, where everyone says, huh, that guy stole, and now look at his kids are using that land. He stole it from that guy, but the guy couldn't get it back because if, if, if someone steals and then leaves it for his children, and again, that, this goes according to the interpretation of Rama Bahama, who had said that, yeah, because you have Yish, and you have Shin Rishus, because there's Shus Yerush, Rishus Lekech, which again, as we explained on Kofir Aleph, that the interpretation of Rava, which was like Rabbi was not like this. He actually learned the words that if he leaves over Dovashish Bechrais, it's not on the theft that it's something that has a Chrais, which is how Rabbi was teaching his son Rabbi Shimon, but actually it meant his own property, because then that becomes Meshubid, even though the children are Ochlom, even though they ate up the theft, as we explained of Kofir Aleph. But again, the way Rabbi is explained to his son Rabbi Shimon is referring to what was stolen. If what was stolen is something that has a Chrais, again, which is refers to land, but not only land does he explain to his son, anything that's out in the open like a paro or a hamar, then they have to return that so that the father is not degraded for eternity, saying, ah, look, that's what he had stolen. And then he passed away, and look, his kids are eating, are using all the stolen stuff. Now, he says, let's say what the father stole was a bed, and then the children are reclining on it. Or he stole a table, and now he died, and his children are eating on it. And that is, do we say that since these are things that people keep in their house, and the world doesn't see it like a cow and a donkey which are out in the open that people are working their fields with, and therefore it's not so degrading for their father, and hence they would not have to return it. Again, if let's say you say it's Yish and Shinrishos and they get to keep it, or do you say that no, since ultimately people come in and out of their house, it's not in their bedroom, it's out in the open, and people see it at least in their house, then it is degrading for their father, and it would be included in Kavar Avim that they have to return it. So Rav said to Rav Kahana, quoting a Pesach and Give to a smart man and he'll become smarter. In other words, you can figure this out, extrapolate that, yes, just like a cow and a donkey, so too is a bed and a table, which is, since it's visible and people see it, so it's going to be degrading. People can say, wait a second, I know that was from that guy's house. What's this table doing here with his family? Oh, that's the guy the father stole. Again, it would be embarrassing as Zilusa of their father. Therefore, even in such a case, you'd have to return it. Now the Gemara continues with the next Mishnah, again continuing the theme of these Mishnahis from these two Parakim, on the halachas of gazel, of theft. So it says the Mishnah, aim parton. person is not allowed to, to exchange, I mean to, to change his money, which is, let's say you have higher currency and you need to have lower currency. You're not allowed to exchange, not from the tax collectors, which is from the custom collector's box, who, meaning to say to take lower coins where those are the money that were put into the customs box, and meaning which they collect by the border, by customs, neither from the box of the tax collectors who collect the land tax and the head tax. The reason being is because they're, they're theft. As Igmo will explain the reason for that halacha, they, they take money which is not allowed for them, and therefore it's stolen money, so you can't use that money to exchange it for because you're taking stolen money. So too, you can't take charity from those boxes, even though they want to give you charity, because again, it's stolen money. 
Aval who Aval Neitel Mitech Pesa. But the Mishnah says, but you could take from the tax collector from his own house, meaning from his own money, you could take charity or exchange money. Or even Ashuk, or even in the marketplace, if he has his own wallet with him, as long as you're not taking from the box of the tax collector, then you can go ahead and exchange money or, get, or take charity from him. Now, Tanner, we learned in the Braisa that Aval, however, if let's say, he himself, this guy who we're talking about, owed money to the tax collector. Let's say worth a half a dinner. Now the only problem is he doesn't have lower, lower coins. He only has a dinner, but he only owes him a half a dinner. So then says the Brisa, although we said you can't take any money from the tax collector, but in that case, you can give him a dinner, and then the tax collector gives him the rest back. And you could accept Prutus in the amount of a half a dinner back. And the reason being is because, the, as Rashi says, there's a halacha called matzal miyadai, which is when there's even a non-Jew in certain situations that you're not supposed to take from him, but if it's to save your own money, then you're allowed to. So here also where you have to pay the taxes, but you don't have a half a dollar, you have only a dollar, so then you can go ahead and give the dollar and take it back a half a dollar, even though, as we explained, it's stolen money, but to save your own money, you're allowed to take that back. Now, however, the Gemara asks a basic question on the Allah of our Mishnah. Umuchsin, we said that what you're not allowed to take from are the tax collectors, either by customs or the head tax and land tax, that that's considered stolen money. On that asked the Gemara, but Vamar Shmuel Shmuel said, Dina demachusa Dina, which translates as the law of the government is law. In other words, that this person who collected the taxes had the rights of the government. For a set amount of money, he bought this from, from the king or from the government, that this is how much he's allowed to collect from all the constituents. So the question is, that's not theft. The, he, this that he's collecting from every single person has to pay his head tax. It's not from people that, uh, that's, that make you pay money with, with that, 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 that they don't have to. It's actually, the government gives that right. And Dina Machosadina is a law that we have to follow whatever the governmental laws are. So why is that considered theft that you can't take from the Meichsen? So Amr Chanina Barkana Amr Shmuel he says it's b'meichesh in the kitzvah. You're right. This guy paid the king, paid the government the rights to collect taxes. But the thing is, it, it has no limit. They didn't say you could collect a certain amount of money. He takes as much as he wants to. For that reason, that's not considered dina chosadina because it has no set amount. If it was set amount, then that would be within the rubric of dina chosadina. Since it has no set amount, so he could take as much as he wants to. That is gazel, and that the person doesn't have to give, and therefore the money that they're taking are stolen money, and that's why you can't exchange your money over there or get charity from there. The Be'er B'yane, I mean, the Yeshiva B'yane, they said, that it's You're right. It's not from the king. It's, it's talking about that a guy who gets up on his own and he says, hey, give me money or else. Such a person, even if they're asking for a set amount of every single person, that's not something that they have rights to. And therefore, it's stolen money, whatever they take from the people when they collect their taxes from them. And therefore, you can't go ahead and use that money. Now, those who learn this discussion, which is the question from Shmuel's halacha, and the two answers of Rebchanina Bar Kahana, Amar Shmuel, and the Be'er Bianai, where we learned it on the halacha of our Mishnah, that those who learned it, aha, on the Mishnah Masechus Klein. The Mishnah Masechus Klein says, La Yilbash Adam Klein. A person is not allowed to wear Klein, which is a forbidden mixture of wool and linen. Even on top of 10 garments, even though you're not wearing on your skin, still consider wearing climb. Even though it's even though the person's whole intention wasn't to even get the benefit of 
the clothing. It was just that he's going through customs. And if you're carrying a bag full of 10 clothing, they're going to charge you taxes for that. But if you're wearing it, they don't charge you for what you're wearing. So even though his whole intention is not even to get benefit from it, it doesn't make a difference. Even though it's on top of 10 garments, it's still going to be forbidden because of wearing client. Now, says the, 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 so the Gemara's question, again, according to this version of the Mishnah Masech's claim, they were saying, must be that the Mishnah over the claim is not like Rebbe Kiva. Why? Because the time you learn the Brisa that says, that you're not allowed to use the wearing of the garments to, to avoid paying the, the taxes of the customs. Whereas Rebbe Shimon Rebbe Kiva, he said, no, you could go ahead and wear the garment of Klayim to avoid paying taxes. So again, so you see that your bekeeper is not like the time that the Mishnah Masechet is Klayim, because he says that actually you could wear Klayim if your intention is just to avoid paying the taxes by the customs. So, obviously the Mishnah is not like your bekeeper. But the question is, Bishlem, we understand that what is their machlekes between Rib, between Rib Shimon, between your bekeeper and the Tanakhama. The Marasavar, because your bekeeper helped, Something that's not intentional is permitted. In other words, when there's a prohibition, let's say dragging a chair on Shabbos, which your intention is not to create a hole in the ground of chayfer, of chayrish, so if it's not, let's say, psikresha, it's not inevitable, so then it's going to be permitted. So Rabbi Kiva holds of that opinion. So they're here where your intention is not to get the benefit of client, of wearing this garment, it's just to avoid paying taxes, so that's permitted. Whereas a Marasav of Batanakama held that no, even if your intention is not for the wearing of the climb, but ultimately you are wearing climb, so it's going to be forbidden. So we understand their machlik is in that. But Ella, but the Gemara asks a fundamental question. So they're, they're both disagreeing regarding, okay, in this case, is it permitted to avoid paying taxes or not? Again, because it's climb, so then the question would be contingent upon is Davashem Eskava Mutter or not? But it seems like both of them agreed to the concept that you would be able to avoid paying the custom taxes. On that, the Gemara asks, Lavrich by Hamechas Mishari, could you really avoid paying the customs? But Vamar Shmuel Din Machuzadina, but Shmuel said that the law of the government is law. So it turns out that if, let's say, a Jew had paid the government the money to be able to collect the taxes or the customs from the people that come into the country, this guy who's wearing it instead of really, that's not what he's doing. He's not really wearing it, he's really coming and bringing it into the, into the, into the state, that he's actually going to be stealing from the taxes, and that's considered law that you have to pay that. So how can you avoid paying that halacha? And it was on that that Amr Bechanin Bar Kahana, Amr Shmuel, he says, you're right, regular customs, you're not allowed to avoid. You can't wear the garments just to avoid paying taxes when that's really subterfuge, that's not really what the case is Toma. But here is Toma, but Meichesh and Likitz for Toma, tax collectors, they have no set amount. That's considered total theft, and that you don't have to go ahead and pay tax on that. Whereas the Berebiyana army, they said, but my guys who just get up on their own. They don't have any governmental rights. And therefore, it's, it, you don't have to go ahead and pay those taxes. So to avoid it, of course, you could wear your garments. And moreover, there's even, there's even that opinion that holds that you could wear it even though it's going to be client. The Ekidemasli says the Gemara Those who learned this discussion that we just mentioned, on a different mission, mission of in the Dharm. The mission says, that Nidrin, a person could take a vow and say that I'm going to forbid all the produce in the world on me, for murderers, or or for people that are contentious, people that are, are, they steal money, or for the tax collectors, to say 
Shehishal truma, that this they didn't want to take away from you, that it's, oh, it's truma, you're not, what are you going to do with truma? Or Shehishal Beis HaMelech, where it actually belongs to the king. In other words, he's saying, I'm forbidding all the fruits of the world if this protest I'm telling you is not from the king. Meaning, he's trying to prove, I want you to know, I swear I'm going to make everything forbidden to me if this is not meaning to say you should know that this is the king's protest. Or this is truma, and he could make this oath even though it's not even truma, and even though it's not the king's, he's just saying that so that they should not steal his stuff. So they're going to be scared. Oh, the king's stuff! I don't want to mess with that. And he must be telling the truth because he swore everything's going to be forbidden to him if it's not the king's stuff. So that's what the Mishnah says in Zachnadarm. You could do that to save your money. Now that the Gemara asks, we understand regarding haragan murderers or haramin or people that steal money. But the third case was for those customs tax collectors. How can you do that and avoid them taking what they're collecting for? But Va'amar Shmuel Shmuel said, The law of the government is law. You have to follow those laws. And taxes is something that's mandatory. So how can you go ahead and, 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 and evade those taxes? So on that is what he was saying, it's You're right. Regular taxes you can't avoid. Here it's talking about that a certain tax that has no set amount. No set amount, that's not considered within the rubric of Din Machosadina, and therefore that's what you could even do to make a nether to avoid that. Whereas the Bayerbiana army, they said, no, it's Bamechis Amin Me'elov, it's talking about a tax collector, it's by himself, they have no governmental rights, and therefore it's not within Din Machosadina, and that's why you could avoid by taking the nether. A third approach, Rav Ashiyama, he says, actually it's talking about Bamechis Kenani. We're talking about a non Jewish collector who forcibly takes from the, from, from the people. In other words, in that case, you don't have to be concerned if you steal money from him where there's not going to be a desecration of Hashem's name because he doesn't realize that you're avoiding, that you're lying. So it's, when it's, when the, when it's uh, the, the non-Jewish tax collector, that's an that's, that's a area that you're allowed to. Now, the Gemara brings a similar discussion, like we learned in Bryce. Yisrael v'kanani anash where there's a Jewish person and a non-Jewish person that is forcibly taking away stuff from the Jews, Shabbat then that they come to a court case. Now, if you could merit the Jewish person that the non-Jew will listen and say, okay, if that's Torah law, then I'll listen to the Torah law, then you could merit the Jew through Torah law. You can tell him, this is our law. Let's say he only will listen to the non-Jewish law. So then you marry the Jew, and you say, well, that's your law. But if not, let's say you can't even find merit for the Jew who is contesting with this non-Jewish guy who wants to steal his money. Let's say he can't do it with Jewish law or non-Jewish law. Then you can come in a roundabout way, and you find excuses and exemptions until you exempt the Jewish person. That's the very small. Rebbe says, no, ain't boy in the love by Kifin. You don't come in the in a circuitous route, meaning in a roundabout way. And make Kiddush Hashem because we want to sanctify Hashem's name. We don't want to, if there's no way to merit the Jewish person through Torah law or through even the secular law, then we don't do things which are really not exactly according to the law because, again, of the sanctification of Hashem's name. Now, there is a discussion here, even in the Girsais, and the discussion regarding what type of Kanani are we talking about? What does it mean, Anas? Uh, those, who, those who take out the Girsav, Anas. But the concept that we're talking about here is where someone that has no rights, although you can't prove it in law, that's the discussion if you could avoid the payment from the Jew to the non-Jew. Now, 
So therefore, one thing that we see from this discussion is that we see that when it's a moichis kenani, this is supporting the third answer the Gemara gave, then when it's, the, it could be as an idol worshiper, there's different interpretations of what it's talking about, but if it's such a tax collector, then as we see when he litigates against a Jewish person, we do what it takes to save the Jew from having to pay that money to that non-Jew. Now, on that the Gemara asks, even Rabbi Kiva, who says that you're not born to love by Kifan, is only because of Kiddush Hashem. But I asked the Gemara of Rabbi Kiva, it sounds like the only reason is because of sanctification of Hashem's name, so you don't go really in, in inappropriate ways to save the Jew from the non-Jewish collector. On that, I asked the Gemara, it sounds like but if there wasn't any element of sanctification or desecration, Hashem's name, then we would find some crooked way to, to save the Jew. That is the Gemara. Is it permitted to steal money from a non-Jew? What does that mean? How can you go ahead and do whatever it takes to save the Jew from having to pay, if it's rightfully so, to the non-Jewish collector? But Vatanya learned the Brisa. Um, Reb Shimon says, And this was expanded by Reb Kiva when he came from Zavirin. He said clearly, Where do you know to steal from a non-Jew is forbidden? That's what the pasuk teaches, and this pasuk is by the Jewish. A, per, a Jewish person that's sold as a slave to a non-Jew in the marketplace, it says that after the Jew is sold to the non-Jew, there should be redemption for him. Meaning his fellow Jews, his brothers, should go ahead and redeem him from the non-Jew. Now what does that teach? As the Gemara continues on the base, that you shouldn't drag him and take him out. In other words, that the court is not allowed to just forcibly take him away from the non-Jew. Rather, it has to be through a gula, it has to be through a redemption process. You have to pay the non-Jew to redeem the Jewish person, because you can't just steal from a non-Jew. Now, you would think, okay, if you can't just drag out the Jew, then actually that you could leave him by the non-Jew, and the non-Jew could demand made way more money than he even paid for the Jewish labor in the first place, even what he didn't give, Tamalum as the Pasuk teaches that, no, there's a balance. That he should, he should calculate with the one who bought him, meaning he should be precise. In other words, you can't underpay him, but neither do you, should you overpay him. But one thing that we see is obviously that stealing from a non-Jew is forbidden. So how do we understand Rabbi Kiva, where he seems to contradict himself, that it sounds like that only because of Kiddush Hashem you can't, make the Jew win, even though really he has to pay the non-Jew. But that's Gezlachim, that's stealing from the non-Jew, and he says Gezlachim is awesome. So Amr Yisra, he says, Lekash, it's not a difficulty. Ha, the first halacha of Bikiva was Tumam Bikinani, by a regular non-Jew. Ha, Begir Toshev. Here we're talking about that it's not an idol worshiper, we're talking about what's called a resident convert, who does not worship idols, but he eats non-kosher, such a person that you're not allowed to steal from. But an idol worshiper, oh, that's a person who you're allowed to steal from. And there the element would only be because of Kiddush Hashem that you're not allowed to steal from him. Now, on that, Omle Abai, Abai asked on the interpretation of Rabbi Yisif. But how can you differentiate between the idol worshiper that you're allowed to steal from, but the non-Jew who's not an idol worshiper that you cannot steal from, but actually both the Ger Toishav and the idol worshiper are both written there in the parsha of the Eved Ivri being sold to the non-Jew, who again, as we just said, by both of them it says, Gulatila, they did not let us steal from him. Because as the Gemara says, that how harsh is the punishment of even just what's called the dust of violating the halachas of Shemitah, where if a person does business dealings with Shemitah produce, which is not even from the primary Isurim of Shemitah, at the end he has to sell himself, like it says, that I'll sell himself to you. 
On that continues the Brisa. Now, it's not only that he's going to have to sum himself to you, a fellow Jew, Eliger, he's going to have to sum himself to the convert. Shunem, like it says in the previous passage, it says, Lager. Now, Moreover says the Brisa, it's not only he's going to sell himself to a righteous Gentile, which is a full fledged, uh, to the righteous convert, which is a, a person that becomes a total Jew. Eliger Taisha, but actually it's to the resident convert, who's not even a Jew, he just doesn't worship idols and he keeps the Shevet Mitzvah Shnemek says in the Pasuk, Liger Taisha, says that he sells himself to the resident convert. Now, moreover, when the Pasuk says Mishpach Asker, he sells himself to the family of the convert, Zeo Evi Kachavim, that refers to idol worshippers, because the convert was an idol worshipper, now he became Jewish, but his family are idol worshippers. Now, Keshu Oimer Oileiko, when the Pasuk then says even more than that, a term connoting even more non-Jewishness, that's somebody that's being sold to the idol itself, which doesn't mean that he's going to be an idol worshiper, but he has to cut, cut the wood and draw the water for the idols. But one thing the Gemara is asking is, about Abayi is asking Rabbi Yisra, is that regarding all these sellers, regarding all these purchasers, the Pasuk says, when you want to buy back the, the Jewish slave from him, it says, Gu'ulatilai, that there has to be redemption for him, which is that you have to pay and you can't just take him away. So obviously stealing him from the Kanani, even from the idol worshiper is also also, because he's also included in the Pasuk of Mishpachas Ger, So Elam Rabbi, rather Rabbi gives a different resolution. He says, like Kasha, it's not a difficulty, this contradiction of Rabbi Kiva, because Khan Bigzele, the second Bryce that says you're not allowed to steal from a non-Jew, is talking about literally stealing from the non-Jew. But here in the first Brysa, was talking about just not paying back the loan. That's not outright theft. That's going to be permitted as long as there's no chil Hashem, desecration of Hashem's name. Now, avoiding paying taxes is the same thing as avoiding paying back a loan. That's not actually stealing. That's just not paying back. That is allowed to do regarding the non-Jew. And that, Rabbi Kiva said, is only a problem about Kiddush Hashem. But outright taking... That is gezel, that's straight out theft, that's forbidden even from, a, from an idol worshiper. Now, on that, Amalei Abai, but Abai asks, how can you say this, Rabbah? Evet Ivri, the halacha of Evet Ivri, meaning about taking him away from the non-Jew that bought him, without paying for him, is hafko es halva asehu. That is a case of, if you would take him away, it's not stealing him, he doesn't own him, it's just that it's like a loan that he owes him for that amount of work because he paid him for that amount. And now, although you call him an Evid, he's just working for six years now. And still, as Sabaya, Rabbi Kiva said, you cannot forcibly take him away. That was his proof that Gezel Akam is Aser from the case of Evid Ivri. So how can you say that that halach of Gezel only when you outright take something but not paying back a loan is permitted? But the case of Evid Ivri itself, that's, he, he proves in the Pasuk that you can't, is a case of of not paying back a loan. So that thing actually says, no, Rav Actually, Rav goes according to his opinion. Dama Rav, the Rav says, Actually, the Jewish slave that was bought by the non-Jew, his body is actually, for those six years, owned by the non-Jew. And if, if you were to take back the Jew without paying to redeem him, you literally would be stealing the Jew from him, and that's why it would be also. So if a Rav, what's called the Shittasa, according to his opinion, actually is a valid answer to resolve the contradiction by Rabbi Kiva that outright theft is forbidden from the idol worshiper, but just not paying back, avoiding the tax, that would be permitted from the idol worshiper. A related discussion, the Gemara says, Like we said before, is also stealing from a non-Jew is forbidden, but if you find his lost object, that's permitted to hold on to. As the Gemara explains, 
Gizeli Oster to steal from the non from the idol worshiper from the non Jewish forbidden. Damravunikizravuna says, Benayin the Gezla Kanani Shuasa. From where do we know that stealing from the non Jew is forbidden? Shnemak, it says the Pasuk in Devarim, it says, Vachaltes Kalaamim Ashashem Lekecha Noislach. That you will consume the nations that Hashem your God gave to you, which is, that's literally Kanani, which is the Kananim, which is from the seven nations, which tells you that you could take their things. On that, the interpretation is that's when Hashem gives it, give them over to you, which was when the Jews came and took over Eretz Yisrael. But not at a time when they're not given over to you, to the contrary, the Jews are in exile in diaspora by them, then actually you cannot consume their things, and that's because gazel, stealing from them, is actually forbidden. Now, Avedas and Muteres, but as we said, but if you find their lost object, it's permitted to hold on to that, where do we know if you find the lost object of the non-Jew that it's permitted to hold on to it? says For all the lost objects of your brother. Which again, that's where the halach is. You have to return the lost object. On that, the drush is for your brother you have to return it, but you don't have to return it if it's the non-Jews. Now, on that the Gemara asks, but maybe that's only talking about when it didn't come to your hand yet. Meaning, when you see it, so by the Jew it says, in that Pasuk. You can't avoid it. You have to go ahead and pick it up and return it. But maybe by the non Jew that's being excluded is that, okay, you could turn a blind eye and you don't have to pick it up. But that's where the Pasuk would be saying, you don't have to go after it to pick it up to go return it to him. Maybe if you actually picked up the non-Jewish thing, maybe I would say that, then you do have to return it to him. He says, no, because the Pasuk says, and that you find it. Which is, sounds like that you already picked it up, and that's what the Pasuk says, that when you find it, meaning you picked it up, then you have to return it, which is only your brother you have to return it to, but for the non-Jew you have to return it, and then it's permitted to hold on to it, and you don't have to return it to the non-Jew. Now, however, Tanya Linda Brysa, he says, When there's a desecration of Hashem's name, if you're going to find the lost object and not give it back, then even the lost object is forbidden. And again, one has to keep in mind all the different halachic ramifications. This is just one aspect of the halacha. There's many different components like Dina, which requires the return of a lost object if that's the law of the land. What we're talking about over here is, has to be taken in that context regarding the halacha. Of, of all the different relationships of money between the Jew and the non-Jew. Amar Shmuel, Shmuel says, to Usai, the error that was from the Kanani to the Jew, meaning if let's say that he owed money to the Jew, and he miscalculated, where again, as we explained, that if there wouldn't be a chila Hashem, any desecration of Hashem's name, then Mutaris, if the non-Jew made the error, then it would be permitted for the Jew to hold on to that money. Kihad Shmuel Zavin Mikuti, like Shmuel that he had purchased from Mikuti, Lakna de Dahava Bimar de Parzla. And that is, he bought a, a gold bowl, which was the, well, the assumption was that it was copper. Now, moreover, and so he bought a Bedal Zuzi for just four Zuz, because the Kuti thought it was just copper, really turns out that it was gold. And so this is an error on the Kuti's part. Moreover, there was another error that the Kuti made that. When he, when, he, when he took the money, he miscalculated, he only took three coins instead of four. Where again, so Shmuel was okay with that because that's Taos Akum. That was the error that the, that, the, that the Kuti had made where he didn't realize that's gold, he didn't realize how much money he had to take, and therefore that wasn't something forbidden. So to Rav Kahana, 
He purchased from a kuti 120 barrels for 100 zuz. And then there was one zuz that got missed in that calculation. So Amalei Rav Kana said to the kuti, Look, I just want you to know, look, I'm relying on you, I'm not counting it. And the reason why he did that was to remove himself from suspicion, where if it turns out that there was one off and he didn't get all his money, since so he said, hey, you cheater, he says, what do you want from me? I wasn't counting anything. And again, with Ta'os of the Akum, then that's permitted. Or actually a different interpretation of Rashi is that it's the Kuti that said to Rav Ka'ana, I'm, look, I'm relying on you, but either, even so, since he wasn't taking responsibility, then the Ta'os was from the Akum, and therefore it's permitted. So to Ravina, Zavin Dikla, who Vakuti Litzlacha, Ravina had purchased a palm tree, him together with a kuti in partnership to be able to chop up the wood and use it for the wood. So Ravina said to his attendant, I want you to go first and when you chop the wood to take the, 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 the cuts from the root of the tree and I want, I want to be able to use those woods because those are thicker pieces because the kuti, the kuti only knows the numbers. In other words, he doesn't look how thin or how thick the pieces are. He just goes, okay, you get 20, I get 20. So therefore, again, since this is an error on his part, he doesn't realize the significance of it. So go ahead, I want you to get from me the fat parts first before he does, because he doesn't know any difference regarding that. Now, Rav Ashi Ashi was once going on the road. So he saw that there was a, 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 a branch of a, of, a, of a vine that was in an orchard. And there was a cluster of grapes that was hanging from that branch. So he said to his attendant, Go ahead and see. If it's the Akutis, then bring it to me. But if it's the Jews, then don't bring it to me. Now, there was a certain Kuti that was sitting there in that orchard who overheard this conversation. So he said to, he said to, uh, to Ravashi, Said the kuti shari. What do you mean? If it's a Jew, you're not going to steal it. But a kuti is a lot. What are you allowed to steal from a, from a non-Jew? So Amalei says, "No, you misunderstood my conversation. Kuti shakal dame. A kuti will take money from me. I want to be able to buy it. I don't want to get a gift. A kuti will take money from me. Yisrael shakal dame. A Jew won't take money from me. That's why I don't want the Jews. I want to be able to pay for it. And that's why I said, if it's a kuti, then bring to me, not to steal it, but that I could pay for it. Nothing more goes back. Gufu. We had mentioned this halacha, which. We mentioned it in regards to our Mishnah, in regards to other Mishnahis, which we had this discussion in different versions, that Amr Shmuel Shmuel had said, Dina de Dina, the law of the government is law. Now Amr Ravi says, Tehdi, you should know that this is true, because the Katli Dikli, the, the, these tax collectors, they go ahead and they chop down people's palm trees for the collection of taxes. The Gishar Gishri, and they make bridges out of this wood that they, that they cut down from other people. Vavrina line, we go on it. So it must be that it's permitted for them to do this, because if not, it would be theft. And if it's theft, we're not allowed to go in and use those bridges. So it must be because Din Machos Din allows the tax collectors permittedly to take what they take. Now, on that only Abaya, Abaya asked on Rava, but how do you know that it's because of Din Machos Maybe it's because the owners who owned the trees gave up hope, which is like a halach of Hefker. So it's ownerless. So because they gave up, because what am I going to do? I'm going to stop the tax collector and they're going to throw me into jail. But how do you know it's because Din Machos Din? Maybe because they give up hope, and that's why we can use those bridges. So Amalei, so Rabbi said to Abai, he says, wait a second. Eloi Dina de Machos If not for the fact, like I'm saying, that it's because that it's permitted according to the law, then Heichemi Aishi. Then how does Yish, in other words, 
you think that it would be the halacha of Yish, but just Yish, just the owners giving up of hope, is not a Kenyan. You have to have a Shinui, some type of a change too. Either Shinurishus, which you don't have over here, it's no change of domain because here it's out in the public. It doesn't go to a, another individual. And neither is there any Shinurishus, there's no change in the object itself because also now it's still considered planks of wood, which it always was, even when it was in the tree. There's no change of identification of it. And therefore, it must be, says Rava, that not because of Yish, because Yish itself would not allow it. Rather, it must be because of Dina, the Machus Dina. Now, however, the Gemara asked a general question, but but how can we use the bridges, which were used by the tax collectors taking the people's trees from them, but but the agents don't do like the king said, which therefore it comes out that it's not really because it's not exactly as the government had said. And the question is, how do we use those bridges? Because the king says, uh, you know, I don't want you to go ahead and just take from one place. I want you to take, let's say, one tree from every valley. But they go instead. They know they have to get a certain quota. So instead of going their ones and their ones and their ones, they go to one valley and they take all those amount of trees from one valley. So that's not like as the king had said. And therefore it's not qualifying for Adin Machuzadin. And therefore we shouldn't be allowed to use those bridges. So that says, says the Gemara, Shlucha de Malka Kamalka. The agent of the king is like the king. And therefore, we, he doesn't have to go through the effort and exert himself to take from this valley one tree and this valley one tree. Now, in actuality, the people from the valley which the tax collectors ended up taking from, which they took all that from there instead of going to all the other places, they create their own laws for themselves. Why? They really should go and collect from all of the valley. And collect which is because they had the trees taken from them. But you're right, it really should have been dispersed throughout everyone there. And therefore they could really go ahead and collect what was taken from them, from all the other people, from all the other people in the community. From the fact that they don't, that's their loss. But it's not like it's not allowed for the tax collector to do that. He could take from one place instead of having to go through the effort of collecting from everyone individually. Now, related to this discussion, Omar Rava, he says, let's say there were four partners in a, a granary. And three of the partners already brought home their grain into their house, but the fourth one had left his stuff there in the threshing house. So says Rabbi, the man de mishtakech dari, the one who his stuff were found there in the granary when the tax collector was coming to collect from the people, para monza de malka. He is considered as if he paid up the taxes for all the other three partners who are partners in this gairin. Therefore, when his friends come, they can't say, huh, no, we got away with taxes because we took our stuff home. When he took, he only took your stuff and it's your loss, they can't say that. And therefore, if let's say this, this tax collector was a Jew who had a, bought the rights from the king to, to collect the taxes, it's not considered theft, again, because it's dinah dina. And let's say if it's a non-Jewish collector, so then you'd be allowed to buy from him because, again, it's not considered theft because although he took more than he's allowed to from this one guy, but it's not just taken from this one guy, it's considered that from all four guys that he was collecting from this one guy, and this guy had paid up for all of them. Now, explains the Gemara, but that's only if these th- four individuals were partners. Then we say when he took from one, it's like he was collecting from all four of them. But if, let's say, the guy who left their stuff there was not a partner, he was just a sharecropper who doesn't have any rights in the land itself, and therefore there's nothing coming upon him to pay up the portion of the homeowner, because not a partner with him. So then actually, you're not allowed to go ahead and buy now from this 
tax collector. The reason being is because what he took from this Aris, from the Shirkarba, was theft because he took more than he's allowed to take from him. Because he can't say that he was taking for his partners because he's not a partner with the Balabayas and therefore it's actually the loss of the Aris. He can't say that, oh, I paid up the Balabayas. The Shir has nothing to do with him. He's not partners with him in that land. Another halacha from Vama Rabbah, the Rabbah says, he says, Barmasa abarmasa mi'avit. That it's permitted for the tax collector who's a Jew, who has the rights from the king, to take from one city member, to collect from him for the tax of the fellow city member who didn't pay, because that's din machosadina, that's the laws, he, the rights he has from the government, who he could take from one city member to take because the other one didn't give him. Now, says the, says, says Rava, but vahanimili the bar the bar the that's only where if he's collecting the, the land tax, which is for those who consume produce, or the charga, or that's the head tax. Where if it's those two things, the high shata of this year's tax. This year's tax, then if one guy, Reuben, didn't pay, he could go ahead and take and collect from Shimon, and then Shimon's going to have to go to Reuben and say, hey, I paid for you, you know. But he's allowed to do that to tax collector. But it's only if it's this year's taxes. I have a shot to the challah, but if it's last year's taxes... Now, since he already appeased the king, then Chalaf that already has passed. In other words, since the tax collector, the way it works is that he gives to the government. The government doesn't want to be busy collecting all this. So a person, could be a Jew, says to the government, look, I'll give you 10,000 rubles, and I buy the rights to the taxes. Now, maybe I'll make 15,000, 20,000 rubles from the collections, but that's my, that's, my, that's my job. You guys are already out of the picture. Now, if it's regarding last year's taxes, since he already paid the king at the end of the year of last year, now he still wants to collect debts that he has from last year's taxes, now he has no rights to collect collateral from one guy regarding the other guy, because only regarding the king is allowed to do that. That's because of Din Machozadina. So the Shliach of the Melech has the halacha like the Melech, but that's only during that year's taxes. Once he already paid up the king, the king's already out of the picture, now last year's taxes are his own debts, his own debts, he's not allowed to do that to collect from one guy for another guy. Another halacha from Avarava regarding halachas of theft, that Hani did dairi dari. Regarding these non-Jews, these idol worshippers who have animals, and what they do for a profession is that they take their animals and they go to other people's fields and they put these animals in the pen, and the animals relieve themselves, thus creating fertilizer, and they fertilize other people's fields and they get paid for that. So says Rava, these non-Jewish people who have these animals, if they're if they're within the boundary of the city limits, you're not allowed to buy from them an animal to purchase an animal. My time, what's the reason? Because the animals of the city members go ahead and join their animals, because this is uh, these non-Jews have herds of animals that they take to fertilize, and other animals from the city, sometimes end up joining them, could, which could very likely be a Jewish person's animal, and therefore, if you're going to buy the animal from them, you might actually be buying a stolen animal from a Jew. But if it's if they stay out of the city limits, then then you could buy an animal from them, and then you could assume that a Jewish animal didn't go out of the city and go all the way to where they are, and therefore you don't have to suspect that you're buying a stolen Jewish animal. But Omar Avina, he says, But if the owner is chasing after them, then even out of the tchum, it's forbidden, because then you could assume if we saw a Jewish guy running out, out of the tchum to where they are to catch his animal, that it's likely that there could be a Jewish animal there, and therefore you're not allowed to buy from them, because you might be buying a stolen Jewish animal. Another halacha that Machar's Rabbi Rabbi had announced, some say actually it was Rav Huna, that he said, the Salkin La'ela, those who go from here in Babel up to Eretz Yisrael, or the Nachsin La'sata, though they come down from Eretz Yisrael to Babel, should know the following halacha. 
Hi Bar Yisrael, the Yada Sadus Lakuti. Regarding a Jewish person that knows testimony for a Kuti in, against a Jewish person, and he wasn't subpoenaed, they didn't, they didn't uh, solicit this from him. And he went to testify for the Kuti against his Jewish fellow. We excommunicate that Jewish person. Now, my time, what's the reason? The reason is because the Kuti courts, the non-Jewish courts, will t- remove money, they'll collect money, as we continue to type of Kofidalam and Alf, Apum Dachad, based on the testimony of one person. So it comes out, this Jew is testifying for the Kuti, is doing against the law. Because the halacha is, requires two witnesses. So, although you know testimony for him, but they're going to collect based on the one individual testimony, that's inappropriate, and therefore we excommunicate that Jew. But says the Gemara, We didn't say it's forbidden only if it's one Jew. Uh, betray, lie, but if it's two Jews who know testimony, then there's no problem, because that halachically allows that, that yes, two people have edus, then you could go ahead and incriminate the Jew, even with a kuti. Moreover, says the Gemara, we didn't say that for one person who knows testimony that we, we put him in Shechem, we excommunicate him. That's That's only regarding the courts of the villages, who they don't know the intricacies of law, and they collect based on one individual's testimony. But if it's a governmental courtroom, then they actually don't collect money based on the testimony of one individual. They just hold, they make the other litigant then liable to take an oath because of the testimony of one individual. Well, that's again like the halacha, which is that one witness could mandate an oath. And then even in such a case, one Jew could go ahead and testify for the non-Jew in regards to the Jew. Now, Amrav Ashi says, when we were by the yeshiva of Huna, Iboilan with the following question. What would be Adam Chashuv? A distinguished Jew. The Samchalak could betray that the courts respect him very much. And although generally they don't they don't execute based on I mean they don't collect money based on one person's testimony, but they rely on him, he's such a respected Jew that they rely on him like as if he was two witnesses. And therefore, they would collect money based on his testimony. Now, therefore, maybe he shouldn't testify, because even though usually one person by the by the governmental courts you could testify, but here where we know that they will collect based on this one testimony, which even Moshe Rabbeinu, who's one person, wouldn't be allowed to collect money based on his testimony because he need Apishnai Meidim Yachim Dava, maybe he shouldn't testify. Maybe they know, since he's a very respectable, distinguished person, he's not going to be able to avoid them, and therefore and therefore he could testify, because avoiding would be problematic too. That says, you want to take a little stand, it's not clear what the halacha would be in this unique situation of even the governmental types of courts where if he's an Adam Chashem and they're going to use it as if he's two witnesses, if he should try to avoid or if he shouldn't avoid coming and testifying in court.